so good. Okay, well let's let's get sad. Yep. Let's... All right. Okay. Uh. Okay. Let's do it. Sad the cast. Sad the cats. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> get ready to cry. I'm always ready to cry, buddy. Yes. Yeah, My secret. I'm always crying. Well, tonight on Rogue Padron, free fresh calf, the Iron Fist arrives, and it's up there again. <laughs> oh, right, no. Okay, yeah, laugh, laugh about how it sounds inappropriate now, because we won't get to laugh about that yeah. later. <laughs> Wait, so that's what she said out of the way, well, you can. Nope. Oh, my. This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue 6, standing by. Rogue 7, standing by. Rogue 3, standing by. do this one because this seems applicable <laughs> okay i had to pick out an intro did you pick <clears> out <throat> if everyone was a feeling which feeling would they be and we're all sad <laughs> sad <laughs> sad akbar oh no we're sad uh, and mad akbar <laughs> everything is a type of sad. akbar <laughs> oh gosh all right uh, Hello, listeners. Welcome to Season 6, Mission 4 of Rogue Padron. Tonight, we'll be talking about Chapters 10 through 12 of X-Wing, Iron Fist, which... Hmm. And... <laughs> they were definitely chapters. They were so chapters. These were these were some chapters so of chapters. Many words. Wow. But before we get into that, quick reminder of your hosts... If Saf Rook 7 was a natural disaster, she would be a drought because if you're a drink, she'll just remove herself and let you suffer. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. If Danny Rogue 6 was a natural disaster, he would be the ice caps melting and causing flooding because, come on, sheeple, global warming is real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At this point, I just wanted to hurry up already so I could be like, oh my god, I told you all so. Right. <laughs> we were right. Like, can we just get Florida underwater already? Slash, the world would be, just be a better place if Florida was underwater. We can all agree, right? Like, Nancy and Brian, get out of there. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Brian and Nancy. We get, we get them out of there. If Heath, Rogue 3, was a natural disaster, he would be an avalanche. Because he'll start with a small thing like a subtweet, and soon enough, it's an all-out devastation. <laughs> That's very me. <laughs> the pettiest avalanche in the world. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> so petty. <laughs> and I'm Meg, rogue leader. And I want to be a volcano eruption because most of the time I'm pleasant and pretty, but you do not want to be around when I go off. Uh, yes. <laughs> That's good. Well, speaking of being covered in hot magma and <laughs> burning to a crisp and losing your arms and legs... And Only getting prosthetic replacements. Yep. And becoming the apprentice to a Sith Lord and terrorizing the galaxy for 20 years. I have a question about Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi. Cool. Great. 
what <laughs> do you <laughs> would be do you <laughs> describe for me what would be the death scene that could happen in this movie that would be the most impactful for you wow you're just you're just go for it i don't know why this that week is... this is the question mm-hmm. that came to me but it just did so so good for no reason whatsoever that i can pinpoint luke i'll never get over it he's just always been my number one so i just like i can't even imagine what would happen to me how do you imagine something like that going down i would imagine that he would that kylo would kill him wow two for two for two for the legacy characters yeah. Wow, Kylo. No. I don't I don't think they could ever come back from that. Yeah. I just I don't see I mean maybe Snoke, I don't know. What if Ray has to kill him? Oh no. No, 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 no. Oh no. no, 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 no We're supposed no, to describe no, the most no. devastating thing and that that's the worst no, I can think. No, 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 no. I cuz then I have to actually plays <laughs> right into my what? <laughs> Seth, that actually plays right into my actual theory of episode eight, which I know I have a lot of theories, but this is one that I actually think kind of, I don't know if I've ever said it before, that because it's the middle movie, there has to be a big twist. We're all expecting it. And that I think the big twist is that Ray is going to have to go to the dark side for some reason. And Kylo's going to have to go to the light side for some reason. They're going to have swapped by the end of the movie. And boy, howdy, would that be impactful if that included Ray killing Luke? That would hurt. It is so not much. time for the Jedi to end. Oof. Oh. Wow. I have a hard pass on that. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't like that at all. <laughs> I think obviously what would make me the most sad would be if Finn dies. And if he does die, he's gonna die a hero. Um, because he sacrifices himself to do some thing that needs to get done. And, you know, he doesn't want to have anybody else do it. So he'll just do it himself. His death would have to, like, he dies in order to end the kidnapping of children in the First Order. Oh, my, oh my gosh, he would. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> or like he frees children that are in the First Order programming and he gets them out. He would. And then, but he has to stay behind to make sure they all get out. Yeah, yeah. And there it is. Oh, no. What if, if Poe's flying the transport to get them all to leave and he keeps being like, Finn, you need to get on board. And he's like, no, I and can't. Like, no, there's one and more. He has to leave without him. <laughs> No. Oh, I'm already crying. We haven't even started the damn thing yet. <laughs> Honestly, no. the worst for me would be Leia dying. Like, I don't know how, but if she's died in this movie, I would be distraught. That would be tough. Uh, yeah. Like, double whammy. like, Leia's always been my number one, kind of like Luke for Heath. Yep. So, yeah, it would, like, Luke dying would destroy me as well, but Leia dying would be even worse. Yeah. Especially if it was, like, before she got to, like, in some form reconcile with like Kylo, even if it was just slapping him because he's like, a shit son. Um, like, if she got no closure there at all, it would just kill me. <sighs> Good question, Denny. Thank Way you. to hurt us all. Well, I'll yeah. I'll round out all of our most important characters and say that the death that would impact me the most would be if Constable Zuvio. 
<laughs> I would never recover. Yeah. I'd be so sad for Heath. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, I would be very sad if something happened to BB-8. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've always... Was- yeah, I've always thought that if anything actually happened to R2 and 3PO, it would be a lot sadder than a lot of the other like living characters we know. I don't know. I, I would I would have a hard time seeing those droids go. Not be like 3PO. I'd be sad. R2. I would. I would. My heart would literally break. Oh my god! If yeah. Luke is like holding pieces of R2. Uh, no. Oh my god. No. Don't. No. <laughs> no. No. Oh my gosh! But what if, what if C three PO first has to live through R two like being destroyed? No. No. Yeah. It's like C three PO becomes the hero that he never was. Oh no! My dear friend, how I've missed you. Oh no. Oh, no. no. <laughs> no, oh, we, have, we have to move on before we just destroy ourselves. Speaking of destroying themselves, chapter uh, 10 starts off with Laura. Yay. All right. Great. So Tyria comes into her and Laura's room with a hollow from home. Laura first thinks it must be for Tyria, but then she's shown it's actually for her. When she opens it, it's her brother, Tavin Notzel, which Alston literally just used Gavin and replaced the first letter. Oh my god, he did! (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Oh, he he is really into Gavin, yeah. This is good. It's like, oh, I need a name. I can't stop thinking about Gavin. Ah, Tavin, got it. (laughs) Great. Good. (laughs) Moving right along. Great. So Laura freaks out when she realizes who it is, knows that she has to somehow cut all of her contact with the sky without ever showing her face. But then she examines the pictures in the background, pictures of Laura's family, and notices that pictures of herself as Laura Nostril have been placed there. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is not me greasing Laura Nostril. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm glad someone else called it out. Because <laughs> I literally muted myself because I was giggling. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's what we do on Rogue Pod. It is. Like, this is not a, an offensive thing. This is just the side of love. Stop what? making names sound like something else, all right? <laughs> this, of course, freaks her out even more, especially when Tavin reads her supposed letter she wrote to a corporation back home requesting a job. She knows she wrote those words, but she has no idea if it was Lara or Gara, which grade her name's right. It's <laughs> <laughs> the exact same thing again. And she's confused about maybe she was really Lara all along. <laughs> so I was totally joking last week, and I was like, she's going to begin to lose track of her real self, but that's literally what happened right away in Chapter 10. <laughs> Every time we joke about her, somehow it ends up happening. <laughs> it becomes real. She's like, I've been in this identity for so long, I don't know what's real and what's fake anymore. She's been in this identity for like two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't know what's real or fake anymore. <laughs> Well, once the message ends, she figures it out that she, Gara, wrote the words to Warlord Gabor. 
He has figured out her Lara identity and was now using Tevin to send her a message. Her safety has been compromised right when she has decided that she could stay here among the race and have a real home. She breaks down crying and leaves Tyria to go walk deeper into Hawkbat face. Isn't that how it always goes? You finally think it, that your undercover identity is strong enough that you'll be able to live amongst the good guys and live happily ever after. And that's when Warlord Gabor finds you out. It's always <laughs> when Warlord Gabor finds you out. <laughs> Face is out on his favorite patio seat when he notices Lara walk by in a coruscant gate. He knows something is wrong, knows that her mind is so much more tangled up than she even thinks that it is. But there's nothing for him or any of the other race to do about it until she comes and asks for their help. And he'll be ready when she does. And then, do you guys remember Kel Tanner? Who? Uh, kind of. Corrin, I, like, the Corrin we Ken, really deserve. Ken, Ken Tanner? Yeah, Corrin Jr. <laughs> yeah, the other, the other Corrin. So he's in here for a hot second. Wow. Lara sees him practicing with a combat dummy, and she asks him where he would go if she, if like he would have to scream. And he directs her to a place further down the tunnel that is airlocked so she can be cut off from the rest of the base. Okay. And that is literally all killed us. <laughs> but we need to appreciate that she asks him, hey, where do you go need to scream? And Kel goes, oh, I just go right over here. <laughs> like he right. literally has a place in the Kel. ship where he goes like that's such a Kel thing <laughs> I think that's probably like the the general race place to go scream I feel like all of them kind of need this place and it's yeah, good that perhaps, they made this place for them perhaps it should be converted into a therapist's office <laughs> just, <laughs> may, may have just a suggestion <laughs> oh we really need that Bothan back <laughs> mm. well so she goes down there and she finds it, and she just starts screaming until she can't scream anymore. She's mad at Warlord Gabor for ruining her new life, and she's mad at herself for her identity crisis that never should have happened. She decides that the only thing she can do is play Warlord Gabor, feed him false info, and stall until he's destroyed so he can't reveal who she is. She knows she can't go to Wedge and tell him the truth because no one will trust her ever again, and that's what she wants more than anything. She specifically says that it's more addicting than spice, which, okay. I guess if you've <laughs> never been trusted before, maybe. I guess. I mean, sincerely trusted, I guess. Also, maybe she's never had spice before. Maybe. More importantly, she knows that Min will murderize her if he knows that <laughs> she had any part in the destruction of Talon Squadron. Oh. So I was she, I was on edge yeah. reading all these chapters because of the warnings you gave us at the end of the last episode. And this was the first thing that made me go, oh, no. What is, <laughs> what is Min dead inside Donos going to do when he finds out about her oh. and Talon Squadron? Oh, no. Min dead inside Donos. Oh, no. I worry for these children. I've gotten really attached to Laura in like the last little while. And I'm like, I really... So I wish she would just go be honest with Wedge right now because it's going to end up so much worse now. I mean, she really <laughs> has been battling it out with Face for being the main character in this book. Like, they're pretty much the two of them are carrying the story. Yeah. Which is so surprising because remember what we knew of her at the end of Wraith Squadron? <laughs> <laughs> the girl in the lingerie, yeah. Right. <laughs> 
Great. So in the tunnel, she just starts reminiscing about her Imperial intelligence training for a little while, thinking of her teacher and her old identities until Min murderized Donos gets her attention <laughs> by handing her a handkerchief. What a gentleman. Yeah, he a offers to listen if she feels like talking, which surprisingly she does. I wish she'd she ask sp- me if I want to talk. Oh my gosh, you love Min so much. <laughs> I do. Laura spills that her brother found her, but he's a cheat and a criminal, and he wants to pull her back into his schemes, which, not untrue. Min, of course, has to ask, <laughs> what if Warlord Gabor has him? And hits too close to the mark that Laura starts to feel like her identity conflict pop in again. And Min goes on to say, what if Warlord Gabor found him and now he's using him to lure you into a trap? And then they need to figure it out because it could pull all of their loved ones into danger. Which, Min, I thought all of your loved ones died. Well, he's still got that R2 unit. Right to his loved ones. That's true. That's true. Yeah, he has the rights now. Yeah. Also, just as he was like saying this, I was just like, oh my god, Min. Like, Min. You are too good at this. Min. Min proposes to draft up a small mission for Laura to go back to Aldevi slash New Old Town with a few wraiths. I just wanted to say that again. To meet her brother to check everything out. She accepts even though she knows she shouldn't, but she trusts Min Donos, who is out there practicing sniper shots in zero G, which is <laughs> so bad. That's literally like I've never been more attracted oh, in cool. my life. So cool. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it makes it harder, but that's what I'm here for. I'm like, Ooh, man, nice. I love this guy. That's what she said. Yep. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so proud of you, Dan. <laughs> I'm growing up. Hey. <laughs> Every day you're more like Heath. <laughs> no. Wow. wow. That's true, though. Between the pettiness and the running. Oh, <laughs> Very proud of you. Next thing is you wear contacts all the time. I still have yet to complete a presidential biography, so there's that. Okay. There's that's, that. Yeah. There's that'll, that. that'll be the tipping point. That's a finishing That's when point. I'll be asking myself late at night, I'm not even sure who I am anymore. <laughs> am I Lara? <laughs> or am I Gara? <laughs> Gara. <laughs> oh, no. So the next morning, the morning of Operation Groundquake... Wedge climbs up into his squint to make sure that Lieutenant Ketch isn't there. <laughs> I was so Face excited when Ketch- I saw Lieutenant Ketch's name, but then I was sad because he wasn't there. Face catches him and smirks, but then son of a Sith, Ketch is in fact in Face's own cockpit. <laughs> and then I was happy again. He throws him down where Ton catches him and hands him over to Squeaky for safekeeping. Oh, Ton. When they get into their squints and call out, we see that the voice modulators are working, though Wedge can't tell if Face is just merely acting. (laughs) When it's Wedge's turn to respond, everyone laughs. Of course, no one will tell him why, so he has to record himself and then listen to the playback. We find out that his comms has been modified, so he sounds like an Ewok who learned to speak basic. I love this, like catch things so much it's so good he is lieutenant catch i want to learn how to do this trick on the podcasting recording software that i use oh my gosh that'd be amazing (laughs) 
Wedge then face plants into his steering yoke and thinks, well, at least morale is high. (laughs) We skip to the pilots for hire who are protecting the refueling tanker Bastion. They get called in because there's a malfunction and they're promised hot calf when they come in to relax for a while. Surprise! It's really the Hawkbats who have already captured the ship. The good news is they didn't lie about the hot calf. Hot calf. The bad news is... <laughs> Wait, isn't all esp calf hot calf? Is it? You could have probably like cold brew esp calf. Like cold brew calf? I, I see calf. It's calf. But what's the, I, can't, I mean, I can't we say coffee, and then we say iced coffee. So, like, if it's just coffee, you assume it's hot. So why are they clarifying here that it's hot? It's super well, hot. Super oh, hot. Oh, so it's, like, Extra super hot. hot, and then regular hot, and then ice. Hot and fresh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hot and fresh. <laughs> the bad news. Oh, gosh. The bad news is that they're going to steal their ties and make a mess down on Hollis. They also find out that they've wired the Bastion for exploding, which will come into play later. The Hawkbats are on on their way to the secret Imperial base outside of Felon. They see the Bastion move toward its point on an improved route, but they can't make contact with it because it will give away their plans. Face, as Cargan, is in the lead with Tawn. Wedge has two concerns about... Wedge has few concerns about face, but he knows that Tan is not as good of a flyer as he is. I'm sure everything will be fine. Super fine. Everything is going to be just fine. Wedge is paired up with Shala and Lara. Lara and Atai, which as the greenest pilot, you would think is a bad move, but she's doing very well. Because remember, she's not actually a green pilot. (laughs) Wedge already has high hopes for Shala and eyes her for a promotion to lieutenant after he sees the leadership capabilities he knows that are there. I honestly thought she was going to die because he did that. <laughs> I was like, don't, don't I mean, say anything about anyone. Not yet. <laughs> oh, no. The last ones to follow oh. are, are Wiz and Dia. Dia already having an impressive kill record. Wedge My knows girl. he's... Yeah. <laughs> Dia, no, no Fs are given. I love her. Wedge knows he's flying with a good team, but does not put faith in an easy run. Dia's gonna die. Everyone's just, gonna just die. wanted to remind, Don't you dare. To remind everyone that Dia's gonna die. Let's, let's be clear here. <laughs> like this is definitely going to happen. Don't, Don't get do attached. Do not. Don't do this. Also, Zach, you should not have mentioned that you got attached to Lara this week. You should not have brought that up. <laughs> no, the yeah, thing she, is, I'm attached to all of them now, so it's a she, problem. Lara yeah. is gone next week. <laughs> hey, Min hasn't died yet, so... Right, because he's going to be the only one left. Oh, don't do that. that will be the worst fate for him. Why are you so mean to me, and also Min? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's mean I'm to just, men. <laughs> I'm looking at the world with Aaron Alston goggles now. Oh dear! You only care about Gavin. Yeah, I mean, well. <laughs> you better not. I mean, same. So, <laughs> aboard the Bastion, Runt and Kel make sure the NAF computer is set to auto fly out to their destination. Their job is to set course for the other secret Imperial base. Fly escort until it gets there to make sure no helmet forces take it down. Give an evacuation order to the base personnel, because remember, they're not really pirates. And then be as far away as possible when the fuel tanker explodes on the base. 
Before Runt and Kel can leave, their sensor board lights up. They try to come to Hawkbat 1, which is face. Actually, that's Wedge. Hawkbat 1 is is Wedge. Hawkbat leader is face. But they are unable to reach them. As the Hawkbats approach the felon base, they make their first strafing run. It's clean, but then they realize there are now shields around the base that went up as soon as they opened fire. Then 36 unfriendlies pop up on their sensors, and Shala says what everyone's thinking. We are so dead. No, it'll be fine. That's a lot of unfriendlies. It's not 72, though, which they conquered in the last book, so I don't know why Mm. everyone's freaking out here. Yeah, I guess. There are less of them there, and also not in their X-Wings. And they had Rogue Squadron in the last one. Oh, yeah. Which really didn't work, TBH. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. The Bastion is being tractored up by some some unknown capital ship, along with the ties being deployed. Piggy and Tyria get out of there in their ties, and Kel is unable to tell her that he loves her, and fear will give whoever is jamming them too much information. This was the next moment when all my sensors went up. Oh, no. (laughs) And I said, hmm. This seems like a bad thing. Yeah, death imminent. Death incoming. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. There's a reason that Kel suddenly became prominent in this book again. (laughs) (laughs) So Min asks what they're going to do now, and Kel says Runt will join him and Kasten aboard the Nara, and at the right time, they'll fly away while he detonates detonates the explosive charges aboard the Bastion. They, of course, argue about this because Kel knows he needs to stay there in order to do it, and obviously no one wants Kel to do a suicide mission. After conferring with Kasten, Min states that he can detonate the charges while everyone else gets away because he's special. Yeah, he is. Super special. Meanwhile, Face orders the Hawkbats to break formation and do whatever they can to stay alive. He almost says, may the force be with you, but he stops himself and recovers and sticks with the always classic, may we drink from the skulls of our enemies tonight. That was a good cover. Mm. Very good cover. Slash good I mean, line. he is... Go to improv, I guess. And I'm going to start I... saying that whenever I, like, leave the house in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they say it before, like, you start a party or something. Yeah. yeah. But then like, that, that gives weird implications for your party, maybe. As I'm about to, like, hang up the phone with someone at work. Just like, <laughs> thanks for calling, and may we drink the skulls of our enemies tonight. I'm going to do that for, like, every work meeting. Yeah. Just... That won't make any of them worry at all. <laughs> Not at all. No, it's totally normal. I mean, what you should do is actually have a skull with you when you say it. That way they understand And, that like, you're drink serious. out of it. Yeah. yeah. The only ones that should worry are the ones that think you're their enemy. So, like, it's really, true, they should right? be fine. It's a good I mean, way to tell old. who's on your side. It is. <laughs> well, Wedge is currently pissed when he sees the stripes of Berenfell's 181st TIE units on some of the interceptors. But despite the huge difference in numbers, the Hawkbats are doing well. Within minutes, they have the countdown from 36 to 25. Unfortunately, that's when they take a look at their long-range sensors and see a Star Destroyer head their way. Oh, no. I saw this in Rogue One. Surprise! <laughs> it's Iron Fist. Exactly what they wanted, just not when they wanted. That's what she said. <laughs> oh, this could not be good. Kel remarks that they are so dead. 
And I'm just going to go with that. Good call. Good call. It's funny because it works all the way back to the part where you said, surprise, it's Iron Fist. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's right up there. Playing the long game. Oh, no. It's up there again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. We are so going to ruin that line for fans of these books, aren't we? We sure are. <laughs> That's what we're here for. That's I what would, we do. I would expect nothing less of us. TV. <laughs> so Min brought his sniper rifle. He remarks that he brings it everywhere. Parties, dining engagements, the refresher. Min. <laughs> so much. Why is this a thing for me? He's like, yeah, I bring my sniper rifle to parties. I'm like, oh my god, just marry me now. <laughs> Castor and Min continue whatever preparations they're doing, despite the six ties buzzing about. Kel reassures them they're not there for a fight. Wedge sees that the only part of the Hawkbats that are actively engaged with the ties are Face and Tawn. The rest have been able to pull back a little. As he starts to head over, he sees one of the friendly ties have their engines hit. Tawn's signal goes dark on Wedge's readouts. No. It's fine. It's fine because because then on the Nara... Kel reorients the Bastion, and therefore the Nara. He reorients the Bastion and the Nara, so Min can get a clear shot of whatever he's going to shoot at. By the time they're in position, they're very close to Iron Fist. Min <laughs> says they have nothing to worry about as long as Kasten's program works. Kasten says his programs <laughs> always work, and then when they give him a significant look, he amends his statement to say they almost always work. <laughs> I feel like we haven't uh, given Caston enough appreciation, but like it's because he's, he's, the worst. He's, he's such a real character. Like, he's very real. He's, like he thinks Wait, highly no. of himself, but also he's like just super insecure, and also like no one will give him the time of day. Like, no, so you see why he's insecure, and he's like constantly trying to prove himself. But everyone's right. just like, Help. nah. Right. He's like, tell Wedge what I did when we were pirating. Tell tell Wedge about it. And everyone's like, okay, Caston, we'll tell him. I see why he's needy, but being needy isn't helping his case. It really is not. Like, you just gotta play it cool. Even if you really want your attention, you just gotta be cool about it. cool, bruh. Yeah. Caston is no bro, Jace. He is not. Oh, no. Oh, I miss bro. Caston could take some tips from bro. (laughs) Wedge knows the situation will play out in one way. The Hawkbats would circle around Tawn's down tie to see if he's alive. It'd protect them from the other ties until they all fell. Instead, Wedge orders them to retreat, but Face's interceptor drops below the tree line with two squints in pursuit. Runt only has like 15 seconds to get the Nara away from all the other ships. Kulp releases their docking clamp and they go for it. Min fires twice, but nothing happens. The Nara is caught in the tractor beam again. Min fires a third time, and the Bastion turns into a fireball coming straight for Nara, which didn't think that through too good. <laughs> it was Kel's plan, wasn't it? it oh sure no, was. the well, explosion was at least. It was Kel's plan for them to like leave and and do it that way and blow up Bastion. So yeah, Face drops into the forest with his two pursuers, one one which is the one who shot down Tawn. He reaches the lake and is able to maneuver around to shoot down Tawn's attacker, so quick and easy revenge. 
He goes into denser and denser forests until he rem- remembers one of Shala's tricks in the simulators. He finds a super narrow path and goes through it. The other tie only realizes too late it can't fit and it detonates. Face's sensors show that the rest of the Hawkbats have made it to space, and he has a chance to make a break for it, but he's not going to, not when Tom can still be alive. Face turns around. <laughs> Face turns around and heads back to the lake, where he mostly submerges his tide and powers down. He grabs a giant lily pad, which sounds amazing, and covers the top of his tide and sits back and waits. He hopes that the water, the fact that he's powered down, and the other life forms in the lake will be enough to mask his presence. Up in space, the Nara is broken free from the tractor beam. Min is a little zinged from the blast, but is okay. <laughs> Thanks, Seth, for giving that to me. <laughs> that was good. Unfortunately, Iron Fist does not break apart, but they do get out of there safely. And that's it for this week. We're done. Yeah, everyone's so, safe. It's, yeah, that, that it's was actually the, the end of the book and the end of the series. And the end of so. Rogue Potter. And goodbye, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Miss you all. Tu- thanks for tuning in, everyone. Was it, though? It wasn't. Because we still have Chapter 12. Oh, uh, I hate. Funny that. Which, which I hate begins Chapter with, 12. With face waiting in his tie, sweating and listening to the sounds of faraway ties and human-sized amphibians, which I'm sure Danny wants to know a lot more about. Yeah, they kept... Aaron Alston was just teasing me here. Like, this was unfair. <laughs> he kept just being like, human-sized amphibians this and human-sized amphibians that and didn't say anything else about them. <laughs> There's just these human-sized amphibians walking around on the planet. Well, remember, we're not quite off-world at the end of this chapter yet, so maybe Face will convene with them. You never know. So. Oh my god, if they... Okay, wait, I can't talk about it yet. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already picturing Face. the next chapter in my head and what I want to happen. Oh, man. Let me tell you, that's exactly what's not going to happen. No! So, Face <laughs> eventually leaves, keeping the tie covered and heads toward Ton's tie. He swears he will cut down anyone and anything in his way. Uh, Back at Hawkbat base, everyone is unsurprisingly upset. But they are uninjured except for like a sunburn on Min's face. Wedge assures that they'll send an underground unit to check on face and taunt as soon as it's feasible. He stresses that this was indeed a victory. The damage they did far outweighs the cost, even if it feels like they lost. Kasten shares that his information satellite has been suspended and they received a message from Warlord Gabor on it, which he really should have led with that, to be honest. Yeah, that's pretty important. <laughs> so, in the message, Warlord Gabor remarks that Helmed has joined his alliance. He is impressed with the Hawkbats and offers them three options. One, they can continue to prey on Helmed, and no matter how costly it is to Warlord Gabor, he'll hunt them down and kill them. Two, the Hawkbats can leave and set up somewhere in non-Warlord Gabor non-warlord Gabor controlled space but neither of them gains anything option three is that they can meet and come to terms to have the Hawkbats join warlord Gabor he'll send them coordinates to which they can send a ship and a representative authorized to make deals for them although warlord Gabor won't promise the rep the rep won't be harmed he does promise that warlord Gabor is a businessman and he keeps saying Warlord Gabor in third person as he's talking about it, and it's weird. (laughs) 
This is exactly what the race wanted. They'll need to organize a boarding party. Wedge, Wiz, and Men are out, being too recognizable for their New Republic military service. Caston is also probably known from his sweet hacker activities. <laughs> Kel is too distinctive, and in this case, I think distinctive means tall and handsome. And Rent and Piggy might make Warlord Gaboran happy due to the Imperial racism thing. So really what we have left is Shala, Dia, Lara, and Tyria, which dream team. And they are the very real options for them to for them to send with Face and Ton missing in action. I was so excited when I read all those names. I was like, it's the ladies. It's the time to shine. I don't know if it's more of a commentary on like in universe or out of universe that like it's the four women characters are the ones that too, aren't too recognizable. Right. Mm. It does suggest some problems. Yeah. But it's cool that we get them, that they all get to team up for this. But at the same time, I was just kind of like, why? Why are they the ones that no one recognizes? Yeah. Why are, why are all the dudes the famous ones? And then well, I the remember, big it's because of the patriarchy. <laughs> that, yes, correct. Caston yep. <laughs> still wants to be part of the mission. He wants to slice in some kind of beacon aboard the Iron Fist. Obviously a secret one that would say, hey, I'm here. And he'd sneak aboard in a stormtrooper suit and plant it. I feel Wedge like he wants- also would want to slice that beacon into Wedge's computer to say, hey, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah, that would be helpful. Notice me, daddy. I mean, Wedge. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> oh, Padron's getting real real tonight. Uh. Um. Wedge does want him to work up the code, but doesn't allow it for this mission. Warlord Gabor will already be on his guard because of the newcomers and will be more watchful for any kind of deception. They'll do this trick, but later, after the Hawkbats have earned Warlord Gabor's trust and his security is more lax. Of course, Kasten thinks this is BS. Swears that he's better than everyone and better than all security ever. <laughs> Aww. Wedge points out that he doesn't even know who Warlord Gabor's chief of security is and therefore has no idea what kind of security measures are aboard the Iron Fist. You know when they talk about, like, having the confidence of a straight white dude? I feel like Kasten is that. (laughs) Yeah. Because Kasten's, like, response to this is, but I'm better than everyone, so that's how I know I can beat it. And it's like, you're an idiot. (laughs) Kasten got a lot of participation trophies growing up. Right? So many. <laughs> oh. Wedge has to make it a direct order for him to do the program, but that he's not going on this first mission. Caston is mad, but he salutes in a grumpy way and walks off. Oh, he's having a tantrum. So having a tantrum. He's going <laughs> to have to go throw stuff around in his bunk for a while. Having a little sulk. So yep. we still haven't, like come across anything that implies why Wedge was immediately wary of him? Are we just assuming that it's because he's such a straight white male? Or is there more think, history there that has yet to be explored? I think it was just like the, like, the, well, I mean, I obviously don't know more about the story than Meg, but like, didn't, it wasn't it pretty obvious from the start that he kind of was iffy about aliens? And I guess that probably like, probably set Wedge off. Itch. How did this guy yeah. get in in the first place? He's good at what he does. So part of his they confidence just, is justified. They just really needed slicers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the last slicer was what's-his-face, so you know. 
I've already forgotten his name. It was Grinder, an yeah. expert in humor <laughs> psychology. The job description yeah, yeah. must just be like, you must be able to slice. You must it's be probably a little insufferable. Bit like the defense against a dark arts teacher role yeah. in her. Right, her it's cursed. The <laughs> well, slicer role is cursed. Because that means in the third book we get Professor Lupin. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Back on Halmod, which is where we will spend the rest wait. Of no, our- I can think of more things to talk about. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> Let's put this off longer. Let's stall. <laughs> no. Faith does find Tons. Interceptor. It's guarded by a stormtrooper who's talking to two raptors. The good news is that Ton escaped and they still have not apprehended him, but he is most certainly injured. Sensors aren't doing any good because there are a lot of people in the area still, mostly hunters, I guess, and the stormtroopers haven't been able to clear them. Face sneaks up and kills them all pretty easily. He checks the tie and there are no signs of Ton, so he wrecks the interior where so there's no chance of gaining any information from it. Unfortunately, one of the speeder bikes exploded and the other one is bent, but it still works. It's not great, but it's still faster than walking and Face goes off to follow Ton's trail. Face falls at half a kilometer to a small river. Ton's trail appears on the other side more obvious than before. Face pauses, thinking that Tom wouldn't go up into any hills. He'd be easier to spot by overhead ties. He realizes that Tom did go up, but only to make an obvious trail, and then headed back down to the river to try to get downstream to help. A little ways away, Tom gets Face's attention by throwing a rock at his head. (laughs) Obviously. His reasoning, of course, is that he can't yell, so what else was he supposed to do? (laughs) His aim is true, and Face comes around to find him lying near the river. He doesn't look so good, and Ton thinks he's definitely internally bleeding. Face helps him onto the back of the speeder bike, but not without Ton being in tremendous pain. Once they get situated on the back of the speeder, of course, it dies. Ton, still being Ton, quips that I take it you bought this used. (laughs) That was such a good line. Oh, Ton is now riding on the back of the speeder, like laying down, as Face pulls it along with a rope, which is what a cute image right now. (laughs) Cute and heartbreaking. Thank goodness the repulsor jets still work or Face would have to like just piggyback him the rest of the way. Ton is watching the scanner and so far so good, no nearby enemies. They discuss the plan, which is there isn't one, except to get downriver and Face will kidnap a doctor for Ton. He says that maybe it'll even be a pretty lady doctor who will be so taken with Ton's ways. It might work this time since Face has his horrible burn victim makeup on. (laughs) (laughs) Ton gets another wave of pain and Face decides their first priority is to get them medical care, even if it means surrendering to Warlord Gabor. Ton calls him back where he grabs his collar and basically threatens him that they will do no such thing. It would be too easy to have their identities figured out and then the mission would be blown. More people will die. More young doctors will end up futureless just like Ton did. Ton makes Face promise to dispose of his body so Warlord Gabor can never find it. Despite Face's assurances that he's not going to die, he still agrees. Ton, appeased with that, just remarks that there's no traffic and yet we stopped. And Face goes back to telling I feel like we're all just sitting here listening to you with bated breath. Like, maybe it'll end differently this time. 
Yeah, maybe I dreamed yeah. that one yeah. thing that I read. You can really tell how much it's hurt us by how quiet we've been. No one's being a smart ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a serious, serious we'll, time. We'll let Ton do the smart assing for now. Yeah, that's what he yeah. does best. Ton notices Iron Fist above them, thinking that it's nice he gets to see it before it blows up. A little later on, Face rushes as much as he can as he hears Ton gasping in pain. It's another spasm. And Ton says he almost had a panic attack, thinking of how sad the world would be without his superior intellect. Oh, Ton. <laughs> Face says he doesn't have to worry about that because he's not going to die. Ton hands him a data card with some thoughts. Face berates him, saying he's being fatalistic recording his last thoughts, his dying message, that he's just punishing himself. Ton retorts that Face would know all about that. When Face doesn't understand, Ton points out that he's continuously punishing himself for what he did as an innocent boy. There's no debt he needs to balance, that sapient lives can't be reduced to numbers. He can't burden his past like he is. Face simply tells him he's raving, which, get ta- which gets Ton to stop, and he merely points out that they've stopped moving again. It's up there again, Ton mentions. Face looks up to see Iron Fist, and he's disgusted. It- <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <I'm> so sorry <laughs> I've ruined the moment you really have <laughs> Iron Fist doesn't care at all about all the lives it's destroying it shouldn't exist he calls back to Ton trying to keep his cool and says not too intimidating from here is it when he doesn't get an answer he asks again but still nothing Face refuses to turn around, too scared at what he'll see. Eventually, the speeder floats up beside him, and there's Ton's still body, his human eyes still open, but for once there's no pain or a shield of sarcasm. He has the look of a boy looking up at the stars in wonder. Face cries for the first time since he was a young boy. Oh my god. <sighs> these deaths are so much more devastating in these books. When I first was reading the X-Wing books, it was 2013, and I was on a trip in Japan at the time, and I was waiting for a store to open, so I hopped into this little pancake cafe, um, and I had my Kindle with me, and I ordered some Hawaiian pancakes, which were these beautiful, thick pancakes that had, like, a macadamia cream sauce and, like, pineapple and mango, and it was A+. But... That's when I was reading this chapter. And so I'm sitting in a pancake cafe in Harajuku, which is like the cool, trendy part of Tokyo, sobbing over my pancakes. <laughs> Just like ugly tears streaming down my face as I'm in this cafe. And I'm like, oh my God, how could this happen? And then I spent like $200 on Star Wars merchandise right after. <laughs> <laughs> Some um, retail therapy, huh? Yeah. So, these books were, oof, oof. I think, like, part of what makes it so painful is that with this one and also with Jasmine, like, they're trying, the other people in their lives are trying so hard to save them that you think there's a chance they will make it, even though you can kind of, like, tell that, like, you kind of have the feeling they're not gonna, but you're like, no, no, the heroes are gonna save them, they have to, and then right, and then they right. don't, and it's like, no, you led me so far. Well, because yeah. in any right. other story, the heroes come back from the unbeatable odds, and they bring them back no matter what. 
and yeah. I mean, like, it's the surprising the... for that to to not be the case here. Yeah, and like the deaths in Rogue in the Rogue books were like they just happened, like they a ship exploded and someone was dead. And, yeah, like, you know, like, every oh, single death okay. in, in the ex- in Stackpole books were a ship exploding, right? Right. Like I can't think Pretty of much. any yeah. others that weren't. Except right, I guess even... Jane was. I mean, but still, it, it happened suddenly, right? Yeah, yeah, everything was quite sudden. Even with Jasmine, right? It's that the ship like cascaded into the ground and was still intact, yep. right? When it when it crashed, yeah. and here this is such a slow death as well yeah. that it's <sighs> just. I mean, he just waits for the speeder bike to come to him, and oof. So this is some, anyway, this is some really good writing. Well, I honestly thought he was dead when it talked about his ship crashing like mm. that's when that's when i got really sad i was like oh no tom oh god it got so much worse he... and then yeah yeah i was <laughs> i was then dragged across the floor multiple times after that <laughs> and just like mm. kicked in the stomach and oh <sighs> The sun went down, and Halmad's myriad moons were brightly illuminated. Behind them was a rich carpet of stars. For all its industry, Halmad had clear skies. At a bend in the river where the trees were thin, Fanon said, What's that? Face looked back to see where Fanon was staring, then looked straight up. Just crossing before one of the moons was a brightly illuminated triangle, tiny in the distance. That'll be Iron Fist, I expect. Ah, nice to have been able to see her before she was all blown up. 200 meters farther on, Face heard Fanon gasping for breath. He splashed back to him. He couldn't go as fast as he wanted. It was getting hard to move. His legs were cold and felt like lead. Fanon was not nodded in pain as Face had expected. He was stretched out in the pose he'd found most comfortable. But there was distress in his face. Sorry. Fanon said. A bit of panic. His voice was fainter than before. Panic. I was just imagining what a sad galaxy this would be without my superior intellect and general state of wonderfulness. Fanon gave a minimal shrug. That's not something you have to worry about. Either way, you're right. Fanon held out a hand. There was something in it. Face took the data pad from him. What's this? It's called a data pad. New Republic and Imperial children learn about them from the time they're very young. Funny. Take it back with you. It has some last thoughts on it. The coldness in Face's legs crept up to inhabit the rest of him, and he shuddered again. Not last thoughts, Tom. Don't be so fatalistic. You're just punishing yourself. Fanon managed a hoarse chuckle. <sighs> you would know. That's your specialty, isn't it? What do you mean? I do what I do because I very badly want to hurt the people who hurt me. You do what you do so you can punish a little boy who once made some hollow dramas for the Empire. That's ridiculous. Is it? Face, just how much do you think you owe the New Republic? Well, some. For your acting. For the fact that it furthered Imperial causes. That's right. It's not right. You're putting a tremendous burden on the little boy you used to be. Well, a debt. It's as though I incurred this tremendous debt account. Now I'm paying it off bit by bit. The account doesn't need balancing. There was scorn in Ton's voice. You can't reduce sapient lives to numbers and exchange them like credits. You can't measure what a boy did in innocence against what a man has to do for the rest of his life. Now you're raving. 
Ah, that's good to know. Hey, we're stopped again. A bit farther, and Fanon said, in a hoarse whisper, face could barely hear over the whine of the repulsor lift. It's up there again. Iron Fist? Face looked up. The superstar destroyer was making another orbit. It was distant, pristine, like the giant spearhead of some supernatural being from the long-forgotten mythologies of a hundred worlds. It drifted by, not caring about the lives and deaths and victories and tragedies of the humans below. And when it descended, it would bring death. That, Face decided, was Iron Fist. And such a thing had no right to exist. If it took him forever, he would see it destroyed. He made sure his sudden revulsion did not make it to his voice. Not too intimidating from this far away, is it? He asked. Fanon didn't answer. I said, not too intimidating from here, is it? Fanon still did not respond. Face stood where he was, unwilling to turn and look, to walk back on his cold, numbed legs to confirm what he feared. But the speeder bike slowly drifted forward until it was beside him. Fanon's chest did not rise or fall, but his organic eye was still open, directed upwards, and his expression, for once lacking pain, lacking the shield of sarcasm or manufactured self-appreciation, was that of a child wondering at the glittering beauty of the stars. Face's vision blurred as his own eyes filled with the first tears he'd shed since he was a boy. Yay! Why did I have to read oh, that? Oh, gave me goosebumps. <laughs> Ugh. Oh my god. So many balls. Chapter. That there was, are no balls uh, here. Chapter. <laughs> there are no balls um, here. <laughs> Nancy, Nancy specifically asked me to end on chapter 12 for one of the episodes. Oh, of course she did. So when we posted the chapter breakdown, I saw uh-huh. like a handful of people tweeted like, Oh, they're doing the thing. Is this what that was in reference to, or is there something else coming? I think that's what this was in reference to. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm still scared there's another thing. I don't believe it. Yeah, I hope there's not. I don't think I can do another thing. I mean, there might not be another thing in this book. Aww. I will say, though, that this was very sad, and I hated it, but... I don't know how to say this without sounding terrible. There was also a bit of relief um, because people like Brian and Nancy who like love these books have been saying from the beginning, they've been like hinting at these like gut wrenching deaths that are coming our way. Mm-hmm. And then like after I finished reading, I like vaguely tweeted about having finished and how upsetting it was. And they DM me and we're like, yeah, this is like the most painful death in the Star Wars EU. So in my mind, I was like, yes, you're right. And it was awful. But part of me was also like, oh, I was really under the assumption that like Tycho or someone was going to die like a terrible death somewhere down the line. And that's what they had been referring to. I'm still scared for Gavin. Yeah. I I mean, there's certainly more, more coming our way, but I, I wonder if this is like the big one. I will just say that sometimes living is worth, than death. Oh, oh no. Oh, Meg. So, Meg. <laughs> one thing, genuinely, oh. one thing I appreciate about this, like, it hurts and it's really painful and I'm really upset about it, but I appreciate that in these books the characters at least get, like, not deaths that they deserve, but, like, well written deaths that, like, yeah. still 
show them as the characters they are and like well, this, this hurts but i'm glad like he got such like a poetic ending it was it was quite beautiful even if upsetting. yeah what i've really in- enjoyed that i didn't really realize until like doing rogue pod was that for the race no one's died really alone um even the wraiths that died in the previous battle like they you know they resigned to their fate together like going inside the ship and stuff like that um you know so it wasn't they they were there for each other and you can the bonds written between them are are definitely written a stronger for the race um because it isn't about like being a rogue being committed to the new republic doing the mission it's about we are helping each other. We are here for each other. We all know how much of a screw up everybody else is. So we're going to do the best for each other because we care. Oh, I love the rights so much. I love, I did not like after reading the rogue books, like I, I liked them, but I didn't get like super attached or anything to them. And I wasn't expecting that from these books. I didn't realize how different they would be. And these books are honestly so good. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Speaking of not, not disappointing, should we read some listener responses? Yeah. So last week we asked you We maybe all... weren't disappointed, but at least one of our listeners was. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yep. Wait, what? So, we'll, wait, we'll, we'll, we'll get, get there. there. Whoa, whoa. We'll get there. No spoilers. Um, last week we asked you... If you would be a rogue or a wraith and why, we also gave you the option of being a wedge because wedge squadron was a thing that was birthed on last week's episode. Sure was. <laughs> yeah. Ew. What? Birth. What? Wedge squadron was birthed. Oh, <laughs> oh Danny. Danny, I feel like you of all people should be the one who's like, Birth is a natural thing. That Not when it's 13 all. wedges in X-Wings. Huh? <laughs> Just popping out one right after the other. Actually, that would be epic. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, <laughs> that is so much I'm never getting rid of. <laughs> oh, good, no. Boy. Could wreak havoc on... Well, anyway. <laughs> Oh, no. Thanks for that visual. Pew Pew will never be the same. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of things are never going to be the same after this episode. Okay. Raising Fangirl said, I want to say rogue, but since my job is the Bothan spy of the grocery store, I'm a wraith. Oh. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I'd like a little more information on what it means. I'm going to be so suspicious what? next time I go grocery shopping. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> around me is going to be eyeing them up. <laughs> is he like from a, a, like an enemy grocery store working for a different one to get their secrets or something? Oh, man. I'm wondering if this person is work security at a grocery store. And part of their job is like monitoring the security cameras. So they're like kind of spying. I don't know. That makes sense. That makes some sense, yeah. Raising fangirls, if you could please clarify what it means to be the Bothan spy of the grocery store, because we are all very curious. Ian said, I'm a wraith because I don't want to be a supporting character to Corin. <laughs> That's like the best reason to choose Wraith Squadron. <laughs> don't want to be around Corin. 
You're more likely to have a super painful, dramatic death, but at least you're not playing second fiddle to Daddy McFeels. (laughs) (laughs) Daddy McFeels. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm never going to call Corrin anything else. (laughs) Jay said, TBH, I would probably be the Imperial Admiral that the rogues and wraiths are shooting at or something. Actual imp, though, not Zinj. The least surprising listener response ever submitted in the history of ever. (laughs) An actual. (laughs) Sarah Gessel said, I would be the person at command reading the race reports and convincing people their hijinks are real. Oh, that's good. Spitfire said, I love the rogues, but I feel like my issues, anger management, self-esteem, depression, kind of make me a shoe in for the race. Plus, I get horrendous motion sickness, which seems like a fantastic trait in a fighter pilot. Also... (laughs) I totally want a wedge squadron, a whole squadron of wedges, brilliant, and so freaking deadly. Oh, deadly. I love the idea of a Wraith squadron pilot getting motion sickness. <laughs> That's that would, so that real. That would so happen in Wraith squadron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brian said, well, I hide crippling insecurity and deep-seated fears with snappy one-liners, so clearly I'm a Wraith. <laughs> so many of us. So many of us really just... Need wedges, I think. <laughs> Nancy said, I'd be wedge because I'm the con okay. mom, and I feel like he would be too, especially with Wes and Hobby. Also, Nancy. I'm old. Yep. We can be wedge squadron. Greg said, I'm a rogue for sure. I'm too emotionally stable to fit into the hot <laughs> best. Why do you not, Greg? <laughs> Show so up. <laughs> wow, what a humble brag. <laughs> and too inflexible for the wily ways. Must be nice, Greg. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna rub it in, Greg. I'm gonna like stare, glare him down when I see him tonight for this answer. Yeah, I, I don't need therapy, so I'm a rogue. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it is nice to see Greg in our listener responses again. It's been fun watching you catch back up to us. I'm glad you're back, Greg. Back, Greg. Hassan said, "I'm a rogue because my focus on any task or mission is razor sharp." Nice. Nice. I, w- I want that. Mm. I would like that, that ability. Like? Yeah, tell me. <laughs> That's a good talent. Teach me your ways. Ben said, I'd be a wraith because I wouldn't fly well enough to be a rogue. As long as I can outfly Ton Fanon, I'm good. Okay, oh. too soon, no! Ben. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> I think, oh, no, I, no. Way too soon. Oh, no. Did Ben know? This is what happened. I I don't know if Ben, maybe Ben is someone who is also new to the books, so submitted this response before reading this week's chapter, perhaps. Let's give Ben the benefit of the doubt there. I do appreciate, like, the the self-confidence in that answer, but the slight, like, self-depreciation, too. It's like a lot, it's a good in-between of being too confident, but not confident enough. Yeah. Yeah. I will also say that even if Ben is someone who has read these books before, it, there's a good chance he like forgot what's coming next. That happens to me all the time. I'm going to give Ben the benefit of the doubt here ben. and say this was not a cruel joke. Yeah. I appreciate that he spells his name correctly, too. So we'll give him the benefit yeah. of the doubt. <laughs> not with a Y. Not with ben with a Y nonsense. Damn millennials. So Dinner similar. leader said, totally a wraith. I'm snarky. I can't say the next thing. Screw up. <laughs> Screw up. And like to do things unorthodoxly. Also face, catch, and run forever. Forever. 
dream team. They are good boys. And finally, News of the Galaxy said, I'm a wraith. Also, what the heck is with this week's weak bleep bullcrap question? Do better. Look, I'm sorry. Thank you for the feedback, (laughs) News of the Galaxy. Thank you for putting that in a tweet and not in an iTunes review. That is the correct (laughs) way to give us negative feedback. (laughs) Thank you for your feedback. Also, if you would just like to submit the rest of the weekly questions for the rest of the books, that'd be great. Just let us know. Yeah, feel free to suggest. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Okay, I have I have two nominations for Body. I want to nominate Greg, and then also Ian. <laughs> yes. Greg and yeah. who? Ian. For I don't want to be oh, supporting. That seems good. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's reward someone for being emotionally stable. There's not enough of that in the world. That's true. Yeah. yeah I feel re- like, reward yeah. the one emotionally stable guy in the group that. <laughs> not enough of that going on in society Thanks. right now. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing good. <laughs> oh, great. I, yeah, agreed. And yeah, Ian gets one too. That was a great answer. Yeah. I think we should give a slightly smaller glistening Bodhi to News of the Galaxy so that he won't be so mean to us next time. They <laughs> agreed. Say, I, don't, I don't know pronouns. Agreed. Bribing. Please don't we bully us. Not- we are so not now, so that. now people are just going to be really mean to us every week, so <laughs> no, they can get a glistening no, no, no. boat. No, please don't be mean. I don't think I don't think we should reward this. We're all very sensitive. We really cannot. Yeah, this is this is a hard time. We are not emotionally stable enough for this. Fine, we'll give news a smaller glistening body, but oh, whatever. <laughs> this week, we are asking you. What kind of space drink would you want to try at a space espcaf shop? <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I honestly need time to think about this because I will yeah. put a lot of effort. Ooh. Need to think something. Did you did you write this in here, Danny? Yeah. The question. It's a good one. Thank you. Let's see if these the right. galaxy agrees. So we're <laughs> we're gonna answer next week. Yeah. I have my I have, answer. I have okay. a lot of thoughts about coffee shop AUs, so... Okay. <laughs> no, but this is an F-caf shop AU. F-caf shop AU. I order a new weird thing every time I go to Starbucks, so I've got to think about this one. Yeah, see, it's Spacebooks. It's very important. Yeah. So wait, is this is this an F-caf shop that also has alcoholic beverages? You follow your heart song. In Seattle, yeah. so yes. If you want it to, yeah. If it's in Space Seattle, it will also sell beer and wine. So, great. oh my God, Space Seattle sounds great. What is our Seattle? Seattle. Seattle. It sounds like you're saying Seattle. Yes. Yes. How dare you? How dare you? Oh my God. Okay, so hit us up with your answers to this question, and we'll also chime in next week with our answers. Our Twitter is at roguepodron. Our website is roguepodron.tumblr.com. Our email is roguepodron at gmail.com. Subscribe to us via the Rogue Podron feed on iTunes or the Far Far Away Radio feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Feedburner, and Google Play. And we also have an iTunes review. Heath is reading this one. Am I? Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> the title is Nonstop Fun with the Side of Eggplant Emoji. Started listening to this podcast just before Star Wars Celebration Orlando, as I kept hearing their name come up in other podcasts and had to check it out for myself. Although I've not read a bunch of Star Wars books, especially old EU, I really enjoy their take on the books and really makes me want to read every X-Wing book ever written. 
Sure, there are some inside jokes that I still don't really know, but there are times <laughs> when my same TBH. <laughs> but there are times when my stomach hurts from laughing so much. I love this show and love the hosts and don't ever want to stop. That's what she said. From Drum Jedi. Aww. Thanks, Drum Jedi. Five star review. That one was... for each of us and last one to I'm really scared that someone's going to give us a four star review just so that we have one each. <laughs> oh no! Don't do that. Do not. Cool. Sorry, I have to reply to Danny on Twitter. <laughs> don't do that but do leave us a nice review please yes yeah never reply to danny on twitter <laughs> so next time we'll be reading x-wing iron fist chapters 13 through 16 until then this is rogue padron signing off pash out pew 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 tears 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 Tears. <laughs> Just shooting out. Tears, tears everywhere. Heath, pull it together. <laughs> Rogue Leader signing off. Rogue Six signing off. Rogue Seven signing off. Rogue Three signing off. The sun went down, and Halmed's myriad... Sorry, I forgot how to say that word for a second. <laughs> Moonza. <laughs> all right, all right. Moons, okay. <laughs> Two O's make the ooh sound. <laughs> uh, Saf, what does a cow say? <laughs> um, hmm. Wait, do cows in New Zealand sound different? Because animals make different sounds in different countries, right? It's true. Still- the onomatopoeia for, like, dogs in Japan is wan. Right. Yeah. Mom, mom. That's what dogs sound like. <laughs> I can, I'm pretty sure cows just say moo in New Zealand, but it might have a slight <laughs> kiwi accent. They say it with a kiwi accent, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>